Nothing is more gay than this. Everyone's so gay. Everyone's so hot. There is absolutely something for everyone. Yep, that's a queer vibe. <laughs> she is gay. <laughs> Incredible. I'm like, this does not feel heterosexual at no. all. <laughs> this is a gay movie. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first of two episodes that we have for you today. As you will hear in this episode, we are considering shifting to being a Star Trek The Next Generation podcast. This episode is a discussion about why we're considering that, what we love about Star Trek, and what we would bring to the table as a Star Trek podcast. Um, The other episode in the feed today is our discussion of the pilot episode of The Next Generation, Encounter at Farpoint, Parts 1 and 2. So after you listen to us gush about what we love about the show broadly, go listen to us talk about the show much more specifically. Uh, Yeah, that's all I have to say, so let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Planet, a podcast that might be becoming a Star Trek The Next Generation podcast. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount, and today we are talking about the pilot episode slash two-parter of Star Trek The Next Generation, Encounter at Farpoint, part one and two. We sure are. Uh, Before we talk about the episode, though, we're going to talk about, like, what? You might be becoming a Star Trek podcast? And like, why? And why now? And like, what you should expect if that is what we do. So uh, basically, we've been talking with our patrons for the last month being like, hey, is what we're doing working for you? Is it working generally? What would be better? Um, And the feedback that we've gotten, a lot of it has been like, the way that you folks talk about things, the like level of into the weeds that you get is much better suited for a like serialized podcast than it is for a one thing at a time podcast. And then Jesse and I talked about it and we were like, what would it be? And basically it was like Star Trek, obviously. Um, <laughs> so we're doing a trial run for the next three months. We're going to do the first three episodes of Next Generation, and we're going to decide based on downloads what the future of the Gaily Planet is. So if you love it, get your friends to listen. Make sure that you listen. Uh, the numbers are what's going to be the deciding factor. So yeah, let us know. <laughs> Uh, and you might be being like, oh man, wow, there's kind of a lot of Star Trek podcasts. What, what are we going to be bringing to the table? And, you know, we're going to bring the same ruthless queer analysis that you know and love. Yeah, I think in our conversations with our patrons, the folks who were like, I've never watched Star Trek, but like, I might watch it if you were to talk about it. Like, what would that be like when I've sort of explained it they've been like actually that sounds fantastic i would love to listen to that and so i feel like the things that i've said have been about like what are the things that we love and appreciate about star trek things like tender masculinity and adult friendships and as we talked about in the strange new worlds episode but i don't know if folks have listened to that like 
you went into a really beautiful history of like the representation of people of color and especially black folks in uh, sci-fi and like Star Trek's place in that. I don't know if you want to give a like tiny version of that conversation. Yeah. You know, if there, there's one thing that I, as a lifelong science fiction fan always wants, which is more black people in space, black people in science fiction and Star Trek, even from the original series, just does that without necessarily having to be like, should we have black people on this show? It's just sort of built into the frame of the show to be diverse, to have a diversity of humanity, because it is a very... Star Trek is still a very hopeful show at the end, where it's about like science and creativity and doing the moral just thing in the world. Which was, I think, especially formative as me, as someone who's wa- who watched almost all of the Star Trek shows that were on in the 90s, to be a, like, watching a thing where I could see other Black people just being in space doing shit. I'm like, this is great. Love it. And so it's going to be, I think, for me, really always exciting to talk about a show where it's like, obviously there's things that Star Trek could do better that they're maybe only starting to do now with the shows that have been released in the past five years. But, uh, I mean, The Next Generation is still very iconic, very formative, launching pads of many people's careers, and is just... I'm trying to figure out how to end this. <laughs> I don't know. I So a thing that I've been thinking about when sort of planning this discussion of, like, really leaning into in my brain the question of like what makes Star Trek really special to me is that I feel like it's one of it's like maybe the only utopian future show slash media like sci-fi that I've ever consumed and I think that that's so special like it's not <laughs> it's not oblivious it's it does the same thing that like most speculative fiction does, which is looks at our current state and is like, what is the logical outcome of this? And it Star Trek says the logical outcome happened. It was so, so bad. And then humanity learned a lesson and got better. And like nothing else does that. Everything else is like, yeah, and it was terrible forever. Let me write a story about it, you know? And like, I just, I like can't overstate how much I appreciate having something that's like, what if instead of just being a one big walking warning about what happens if we don't fix it, we said, what would it look like to fix it? And let's, let's just make a whole show about this, you know, I, the, No Money Socialist Utopia is a line from Strange New Worlds, like someone describes Starfleet that way. But I feel like it's it's apt, right? Like, obviously, yeah. it's it's not perfect. But like, it dares to be like, what if humanity was better? And then still leans into allegories. I think, sorry, I feel like you want to say something. So I'm going to shut up for a second. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think that compared to like a lot of different especially like well-known large science fiction stories franchises like star trek is very much like hope punk in a way yeah um where it's like again like and i think in every 
and every all the shows sort of touch upon contemporary issues but are also just like very much like all the humans in Star Trek are aware it's just like yeah wow humanity had really really shitty past for a while and was doing some really fucked up shit to one another but it's like and then we learned and grew beyond that and we didn't actually implode the entire planet yeah which is like I think especially really at any time in contemporary American history important, but like, I feel like especially now when it's just like, everything feels so much more bleak than it did even when I was a kid and was being like, oh yeah, clearly America, the empire is going to crumble. And now I'm like, oh God, when is it going to crumble? Can it happen? <laughs> like, can, can we schedule this in so I know when to prepare for the crumbling of the American empire? Thank you. <laughs> totally. And I feel like it, a thing that I've, uh, for very obvious reasons, been thinking about a lot recently is that it also, in the things that it chooses to have, like, allegory about, like, it's not always, as you said, super, it's not ideal a lot of the times, but I feel like it's always on the right side of history. And I'm going to use the fact that the bajoran Cardassian conflict was an allegory for the Israel-Palestine conflict that, like, in 1991, Star Trek was like, we should maybe do, like, we should call attention to this. And, like, that's fucking huge, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think even, and even, uh, I have a little bit about this in, in the episode, but this episode, which is, which dares to be like, well, we've moved past a World War Three, past like nuclear Cold War. This episode came out in 87. The, the Berlin Wall hadn't fallen yet. The Cold War is still actively fucking happened and is still actively happening. And Star Trek is here being like, we get past this. Yeah. Like we get past the Cold War. We don't explode the world with nuclear weapons. We get real close. It gets real fucked up. But we, there is a humanity after that. And I think even... And again, I am not uh, Gen X or older, so my knowledge of the Cold War is just through honestly consuming science fiction media. Like, I feel that's like pretty big deal at a point in time where people are just like, am I legitimately going to die of a nuclear bomb yeah. or like fallout? The possibility of that, very real in people's minds. And so, so to conceptualize the idea of that not happening is, I want to say science fiction at the point that this episode comes out. Which is itself kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. And so Star Trek is always, in a lot of ways, trying, saying that there, there is, there's a, there's a reason to, like, think of a, to imagine a better future, to envision a, like, utopia. And through the envisioning of utopia, of a better future, like, that's, that's how we get there. Like, we can't build, we can't build f towards the future that we can't envision what that looks like. Which I feel like I'm paraphrasing like 18 different rad yeah. <laughs> sci-fi and like activists out in the world. I'm pretty sure I'm ripping off Adrian Marie Brown somewhere. I'm sorry, but that is the importance. That's the importance of fiction, of art, of speculative fiction, and I think of really good sci-fi is like sort of being like, what can the future look like? You know? Yeah. And Star Trek gives us a really accessible template of. Humanity gets its shit together and we go to the stars and we meet other peoples and cultures and there's tension and conflict because there's always going to be tension and conflict between sentient peoples. But like, it doesn't have to be dealt with the way that we're dealing with it in the fascist late stage capitalism of it all. Right. Yes. 
And I feel like, so, you know, obviously the, the alternative is the like Firefly model, the like earth that was got used up. Right. And I feel like, I mean, everyone listening probably knows that like Doctor Who is my number one comfort show, but Doctor Who is like not optimistic. And like the most, I feel like incredible example of this is that, so there's an episode of Doctor Who where they end up on a ship where like the people on the ship have been like hydroscooping fusion from a sun and like turns out the sun was sentient. They didn't scan for life. So like the sun entity, you know, possesses the people of the ship and they're like trying to murder everyone in vengeance for like hurting them. Right. Strange New Worlds like lifted that plot, just like, boop, we're going to use that. Thank you very much. <laughs> Only it's like a sentient nebula because all nebula are sentient. That is a shirt that I will be making. Um, and, but in Strange New Worlds, the like nebula beings, they're like possessing people, but their goal is like, could you eject the fuel from your ship, please? Like, they're not trying to hurt anyone. They are hurting people, but not on purpose. They're just sort of, like, waving their arms, being like, hello, we're alive in here. If you could just please stop. And then everyone's like, oh, we would love to just please stop. No problem. Did we need the fuel from that nebula? Desperately. Will we blow up our space gas station because there's people living in there? Absolutely. No problem. And, like... That is the difference. Like, that's what Star Trek is bringing is like just such a like kinder version of everything else that at least I have consumed in the sci-fi realm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think I think part of it is that the best part about science fiction is that is a deeply it's a reflection of ourselves, our world, our society. And I think that it's sometimes easy to get into a mind frame of like looking at history, looking at the present day and being like humanity's fucking doomed. Like we're just gonna yeet ourselves out of existence. Uh, Hope the orcas take our place kind of deal, which is like a, a valid and fine and like sometimes necessary view when you're like crafting, like especially science fiction and like thinking of the future. But I also think that it's, you could also look at history and look at the present and be like, and feel hopeful and envision a like more hopeful future far into the future, even like five minutes into the future, because like, it's not that humanity as a whole sucks. It's like there's a, there's systems being upheld by a few people who suck, but like in general, people want to work together and like that's how we've survived as a species is like living together communally and like working together and like obviously none of that is perfect or has been perfect but you can look at that and and you can imagine be like oh well people still want to be together and live and survive and celebrate and you know be one with our environment and we could get back to that it seems mind-boggling that we could but like to paraphrase Ursula K. Le Guin, like, it's, it seems hopeless, but so did the fucking divine right of kings. And we've gotten rid of that shit. And so we can get rid of capitalism and fucking this scarcity mindset. And we could we could live in a world like Star Trek. So, And I, I think for a lot of people, having something to look at that's like a 
a what if beauty is like maybe more inspiring to fight the current systems that are stopping that beauty from happening than like here's the logical conclusion of if we don't fight these systems because then it can you know getting despondent is not super activating towards making change and so i think that having something like star trek that's sort of like a carrot like dangling a carrot it's like what what if this though instead you're like wow i really want that carrot (laughs) like do whatever i can to get that and i think that's legit (laughs) i was like let's fucking go to space not in the like gross whatever the fuck elon musk is doing bullshit but like get our act together and fucking go go into space like are you shitting me that'd be so fucking rad yeah so yeah okay so i want to just jump back really quickly because i feel like using the word conflict when talking about the israel and palestine and also the cardassian bajoran thing is like not the right word and so i want to correct myself on that and just be like abuse and genocide and um evil but i also want to use that to point to the fact that like as we have talked about off air like star trek is not perfect like the position of starfleet on the maquis for example is frankly mind-boggling when you look at like what had to happen for the no money socialist utopia to come into being which was essentially people like the maquis felling the systems that were stopping that from happening and like we will talk about those things as being as shitty as they are when they arise yeah this sort of pseudo milit the like pseudo military framework of starfleet ripe for criticism yeah because anything militaristic ripe for criticism obviously the fact that like the fact that star trek can't imagine a world without like a punitive carceral justice system also is like it's such a like glaring outlier in terms of everything else that it's doing that i every single time i'm like what (laughs) yeah and i feel like and i feel like stuff like that where it's like Star Trek, I need the diversity on screen and more of that, but also more diversity of people who are writing the show and directing the show because other people can imagine what moving past a like car curl system would look like. And you would think that Star Trek would have that, but it doesn't. And that is weird yeah. and also fucked up. Yeah. But also like, stop letting cishet white dudes write things 2024. Uh <laughs> Here, here. Sorry, everyone. I was taking a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I was saying that while you're drinking. I'm like, I should stop. Um. So, uh, yeah. I guess in conclusion, if you want to feel hopeful, but also critical about the future and about science fiction, and about us two clever and charming and witty and smart uh, folks talking about Star Trek. You've arrived. You have arrived. And (laughs) if you want to watch along with us and you've never watched Star Trek before, I will say this is we are never going to be a spoiler free podcast. I feel like that limits conversations in ways that make them very uninteresting. No offense if you make a podcast like this, but I don't think there's anything more annoying than hosts of a spoiler free podcast being like, "Mm, I wonder if this will come back to be interesting. However... A, I don't think this is a show that you can meaningfully spoil because it's episodic. There's not, like, season plots. 
And B, I don't think either of us are familiar enough with it to do any sort of, like, meaningful spoiling. So, like, we're not going to not tell you about, like, the vague outline of an episode that might come up six years in the future, but we're also not going to, like, devastate you with, like, information. I don't even think, like, an interesting relationship thing takes place in the entirety of this show. So... Yeah, I mean, this isn't this isn't the kind of show where it's like, oh, no, like, this main character dies, because that, that's, that's the past ten years prestige TV kind of bullshit. Yeah, there's not an overarching plot, it's just a bunch of, like, weirdo nerds in space exploring shit and having adventures. Like, there's nothing really to... There's, like, not really anything to spoil. Yeah. Um, and even if there is, I mean, maybe you're aware that there's a show called Picard that's <laughs> happening now that's however many years after this show full of characters from other Star Trek shows. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think... Unless the idea of, like, knowing anything about a show that you're watching before you get to that episode really troubles you, you absolutely could just watch along with us and, like, you will not ever be upset by anything that we spoil. Um, And also, there's, like, 24 episodes per season of this show. The chances that you will have forgotten the spoiler by the time we get to the episode are very high. So, yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and we'll be obviously continuing to talk about this with our patrons over the next three months. Uh, three episodes in three months, you are hearing correctly because our, our flag means death podcast is coming out right now every other week. And so this uh, podcast will only be coming out once a month for the next three months until we conclude season two of the Gay Pirate podcast. But yeah, you could join us over on Patreon if you want to like have more of a one-on-one, uh, one-on-two conversation with <laughs> the two of us about uh, what's going on and like give us more input. And speaking of, I want to say thank you to Laura for joining our Patreon recently. Um, if you do join our Patreon, any listeners, and you want us to thank you on the air, you have to send us a message and tell us which podcast to thank you on. Otherwise, we won't know. Um, anything else? Uh, I don't think so. Cool. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Don't forget that there is another episode out today in which we discuss the pilot episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. If you are excited about the idea of us becoming a Star Trek podcast, let us know on Instagram at hashtag RuthlessPods, on Patreon at patreon.com slash hashtag Ruthless, and by getting your friends to listen. Okay, see you at Farpoint Station.